listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. Welcome to Inside Healthy Teams from Apricot Consulting, revealing conversations with execs designed to provide leaders practical insights to help build healthy leadership teams and organizations. On this podcast, we're joined by the managing partner, Philip Salem from Spark Helmore, who'll provide instant insights on the critical topic of culture, managing change, and innovation. These are critical topics in a world seeking to move beyond COVID and remain viable and sustainable in the years ahead. Philip, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. Really good to hear more from you this in today's podcast. Phyllis, tell us a little bit about yourself and Spark Helmore. Right. Well, I've been the national managing partner of Spark Helmore for the last five years or so. Uh, Spark Helmore is a national law firm uh, with over 800 people in it, uh, nine offices around Australia, uh, in all the mainland states and territories. Um, we've been around for a long time. Uh, the firm was first established in 1882, so. Uh, it's probably one of the oldest um, continuing law firms in the country uh, at the moment. Um, now, I, I'm, I'm a family person. I have um, a partner and, and three grown-up children and, uh, and, and, and in the last few weeks blessed with a grandchild, which is, which is wonderful. Um, uh, the firm uh, focuses on uh, a number of areas of expertise, uh, Two things we're probably very famous for is insurance uh, law and, and government law, uh, public law. Uh, but we do all sorts of other things um, from, from employment law through to ICT, through the banking and finance, property, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's a very um, uh, exciting place to lead and, and I'm thoroughly enjoying um, being in my role. Sounds like you've got quite a bit to juggle there, Philip, and also with this new grandchild, uh, also sounds quite exciting. Yeah, uh, the grandchild, I'm sure, is going to dwarf all of the other activities I'm involved in, but uh, yeah, which which I'm more than glad to do. I'm, I'm sure it will. I'm sure you will. Tell us more about the work that you do to establish strong values and culture uh, in a law firm, and I can understand there'd be some challenges in and around that, given the complexities that are multidimensional. Look, um, there's a lot of um, effort that goes into making sure there's a strong um, culture in the firm uh, and, and having uh, really clear values that uh, you articulate regularly, you reinforce um, in uh, important events of the firm uh, and then you enforce uh, to make sure that if people deviate from your values in a serious way, that you take steps to deal with what you need to deal with. Uh, so we've got six values uh, that uh, uh, are widely known, uh, that I repeat over and over uh, to, to our people. Uh, and um, at every uh, important meeting of the firm at every important event, um, we have a values call. So at board meetings, at partner meetings, uh, at executive committee meetings and so forth, 
uh, the first item on our agenda is a values call-out. Uh, who's uh, done particularly well since the last meeting, who of our people uh, has done particularly well in relation to living our values? Uh, and we talk about it and then uh, we make sure that um, whoever's mentioned um, in those dispatches uh, is notified and, um, and thanked for their effort uh, or, or otherwise acknowledged. Um, so the reinforcement bit, the restating bit, um, and then the enforcing bit is important. So, so part of the enforcement mechanism mechanisms we've got um, are, for example, in uh, our partner performance reviews, because we, we say that our partners are the, uh, the guardians of our values, uh, that if um, they live our values, they can expect, um, as long as they meet all the other requirements of them, they, they can expect to uh, progress in the, um, in the firm. Uh, but if they don't meet our values, uh, then, um, then they can't be said to have satisfied the requirements of their role uh, for, for that year. Uh, and uh, so we treat values as the gateway. Uh, and uh, you either go through it or you don't. There's nothing in between, if you like. Um, uh, it, it's a little bit like pregnancy. You either, you are, you either are or you're not, you know. <laughs> Are you either living our values or you're not living our values, uh, and uh, and so um, when those values are lived, they give rise to a culture, and the culture um, is positive because you know we have we have values I think that are worthwhile. Uh, if you like, I can mention them, but I won't bore your listeners <laughs> with them if if if, if that's sufficient. Mm. Thanks. Well, it sounds pretty impressive in terms of how you thought about this end-to-end. The mentioned restating, reviewing, integrating in meetings, and then there's this cadence account around accountability in terms of how partners will execute those values. So seems to be a very sophisticated and advanced approach that you apply for your values framework. Just building on that is this notion of change, and change uh, continues to be a macro uh, agenda, uh, COVID has accelerated much of that. Thinking through the lens of your values, how do you and other leaders within Spark leverage the values and the culture that you've got to manage change? Yeah, look, that's a good question, James. Um, well, firstly, our values incorporate uh, the notion of change. So one of our values, one of the six that I mentioned, is agility and adaptability to change. So accepting that change is part of life. It's, it's BAU, if you like, business as usual uh, for uh, any business. Uh, and, and so we embrace it. Uh, it's a, we expect it. Um, we're not of, in fear of change. We, we try to anticipate um, that, um, that certain change is going to occur uh, and, and do something about it. And, and see it as, as, as one of the um, uh, challenges and, and joys of life and in business, if you like, that there, there will be change uh, and we need to adapt. Um, the other one of our values that uh, makes a difference there is um, our one team value, um, that collaboration, teamwork, cooperation with others uh, is going to be really important 
in the process of change. So uh, in, in, in a complex world, um, you might have heard of the notion of VUCA, um, uh, you're going to need to be working uh, in a conjunction with others in order to achieve um, goals and solutions to complex problems. Uh, and whether they're people within the organisation or outside the organisation or whether we're, they're, they're our clients, uh, uh, the, the one-team approach is, is an important one, common purpose uh, and so forth. So um, it's incorporated in our values uh, and, of course, that needs to translate to strategy and needs to translate to business plans uh, for the different profit centres and business plans uh, and work plans for the, the teams and individuals involved. So everything um, cascades um, from our firm vision and strategy, uh, which is imbued with our values, if you like, and, and it translates to, to actions uh, and inputs and actions to, that we need to take in order to um, deliver on what we say we're going to do, and, and that includes in managing change. Excellent. So just sort of drilling down to some areas where you needed to apply changes over the last year in particular, assume like most organisations needed, Spark Helmer has needed to innovate and adapt. As you mentioned, you know, that agility piece is one of the values across Spark Helmer. Tell us about some of the biggest challenges. Well, of course, we face the same challenges as the rest of the world um, in, in lockdown environments. Um, uh, some uh, more severe than others, uh, of course. Um, and you would have experienced that in, in Melbourne, probably uh, greater than, uh, in, in more so than anywhere else in Australia. Um, and, and so did our uh, Melbourne office, and uh, uh, in particular, but but more broadly around the country, as 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 people had to work um, more um, remotely. Um, well, firstly, we put our our people's safety and health um, as a top priority. Um, as a people business, of course, they have to be. Uh, and um, and so um, we did what it took to ensure that people uh, were able to work remotely, firstly. Uh, and um, amazingly, uh, it all seemed to happen, to be absolutely honest. Uh, uh, our, our people found a way of making sure that they continue to be able to operate uh, effectively um, in their various functions. Uh, we, of course, um, had uh, had overall um, frameworks for that to happen within. Uh, communication was really important. Um, and and the, the innovation uh, that was most needed at that time was to do with remote work and, you know, um, being a little bit more online and digital in the way you did things. You know, shelving the usual preference for lawyers to have bits on paper, you know, bit, you know, important bits of information on paper, for example, and printing everything and so forth. Well, we found ways around, around those things. But what was really important um, was to involve our staff uh, you know, um, older partners and 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 uh, um, practitioners um, can be a little bit staid in in their ways, 
Uh, and so uh, it was an opportunity for the digital nati- natives among us to actually have their say and and not only have their say but have, have those um, ideas that they come up with uh, acted upon. And, and we had to be prepared as an organisation to listen to those people and make the changes. So we, we did uh, listen and, and, and make the necessary changes. So the challenges um, were uh, tough, but they were tough for everybody in the world and, and we dealt with them. And quite remarkably, we we were more productive <laughs> than we would otherwise have been. Um, and, and the firm uh, will have a record year this year as a consequence and as a consequence of, mm. if you like, that lived agility. You know? um, and I understand other firms um, may have had the same experience and, and I think it's a bit of a lesson for all of us that, uh, you know, uh, we can, we can uh, adapt and scramble as needed uh, and we need to listen to our people uh, and, and, and uh, capture their valuable insights. That's incredible. Mm. Uh, I suppose so, sort of building on some of the stuff that you've already mentioned, Philip, about how you went about managing change and implementing innovation, uh, some of that you've already talked about creating, you know, leveraging the digital natives as an example. Um, I think a lot of organisations talk about making innovation part of BAU because if you don't actually put it into your time and your calendar, then it just becomes a byproduct or a sideshow. How did you go about, Philip, managing change and implementing innovation uh, across Spark Helmore? I know you've already mentioned a few insights there around how you collaborated, how you let the the team who are digitally natives to foster ideas with other things that you did that were practical? Yes, James. Um, there were things that were being done in parallel and, in fact, predated um, the COVID, um, COVID uh, situation. Uh, we had, as an organisation, said that um, we need to ensure that uh, we're adapting and and. Uh, being as innovative as possible. Uh, and so we, um, as part of our vision and our strategy, uh, we had a number of plans uh, in place in order to ensure that um, uh, the firm is adapting and transforming. Um, to be absolutely honest, to begin with, we didn't get it quite right. Uh, we started with this view that um, somehow we can mandate change or direct change from on high, uh, starting at board level. And we set up a, a board committee, uh, an innovation committee. Uh, it was headed by um, a senior uh, specialist who, um, uh, who was our head of innovation. Uh, but we found, frankly, that that didn't work very well. Uh, and it didn't work very well because we came to the realisation that uh, innovation, transformation uh, should really be from the bottom bottom up. The role of the board and the leaders of the firm is to facilitate uh, and to set up structures in order to make sure that innovation and transformation uh, is happening, uh, but not to dictate uh, what the innovation should be because um, typically if, if that occurs, more, more senior people who are, are a bit dyed in the wool in their views uh, and are not as creative um, as they could be, 
uh, tend to want to control the situation uh, and, and that leads to inertia. Uh, but rather, we opted for a model of having up, setting up a, a transformation working group made up of a diverse range of people from across the organisation, uh, from admin staff through to, um, to, to our support uh, directors uh, and, uh, and, and partners. We also included in that transformation working group people from outside the organisation, including one of our uh, non-executive uh, directors who uh, is a change management expert. Uh, she chaired uh, that transformation working group, continues to do so, uh, and also uh, uh, a representative of our clients uh, and, and, and a university academic whose uh, area of expertise is the convergence of law and IT. Uh, and through that, we've developed a lot of uh, uh, proposals that are practical uh, in their outcome, that relates to our business, that has input from a diverse range of people from across the organisation. Uh, and so uh, we're making that happen uh, uh, on a on a daily basis uh, and, and it's working and it's producing concrete results. Some amazing insights there, Philip. And for our listeners, uh, I think what we've just heard there is what we would understand now as an integrated approach to innovation. And uh, Philip, I think your point around no longer it being a top-down uh, initiative, it's from the margins or the edges where innovation occurs best. Uh, but what you've then done is you've created a transformation model that is integrated into BAU and you've got cross-functional teams, which is a big buzzword around agile working teams. You've got people within the business, outside of the business, uh, also representing that and then operationalise that into pilots or programs or proposals, as you call it, where you can test and innovate. So, um, But what I also like to add to that is that how you've built agility as a value and then as here we are seeing the expression and outworking of that out in these transformation initiatives moving forward. So for our listeners, I think there's some great insights that we can learn from that about how to integrate this into BAU, because uh, ultimately that's where su the success of innovation occurs. Philip, uh, one last question for today is those of us that are still on the journey of innovation, in fact, COVID has forced us to be more innovative. Sometimes it's been through the survival mechanism. We just want to survive. If for those that are thinking about becoming more innovative, and how they could implement new ideas, what's some, what are some practical advice you can give them? Well, um, I think um, you need to step back firstly uh, and say, um, what is innovation about? Is, is, it about um, is it about technology or is it about people? Uh, it's a bit about both, but mostly it's about people. It's the people who innovate, it's the people who come up with the ideas and technology is a facilitator. Um, it's not. Um, it's not the solution. It's it, it's in many ways uh, the leveler. So technology will be available to uh, to people uh, across the economy, uh, and it's what use you make of it, uh, and uh, what solutions you find uh, that that make use of it in an appropriate way that will be um, uh, the way 
you um, get good ideas uh, to work uh, without the people um, and without providing appropriate forums and uh, an appropriate culture, uh, you won't get very far. Uh, so, look, I, I would say, for example, that uh, our diversity and inclusion framework within the firm is a big contributor to, to innovation. So where we uh, recognise that uh, it's important uh, for people to bring their whole self to work, uh, to be proud of who they are, uh, and for us to accommodate their needs beyond work. Uh, and uh, that, that framework, we've got a number of networks that include you know, networks for carers, for gender, for you know, LGBTI, uh, uh, and so forth, uh, culture. Um, well, um, those networks are run by our people themselves, they're not run by partners, they're, they're run by, by, by our people themselves. And, and, and bring themselves to work also as a whole person means that they put their energy and their focus uh, on the business in a, in, a, in a very enthusiastic and energised way. So you've got enthusiastic and energised people who are allowed to be themselves and right, allowed to put their perspectives, their diverse perspectives forward and, their, and those perspectives are valued. And, and that's your starting point. And once, once you've got that and then you are able to facilitate access to broader expertise, uh, valuing innovation, then you can start talking about, you know, um, uh, creating an atmosphere where people can be more innovative and, and implement their new ideas, the ones that work. <laughs> Certainly reminds us and as, as listeners, just the importance of both the framework and the culture to enable innovation, Philip. And I think your point around bringing the whole self to work, psychological safety um, is absolutely critical to the notion of uh, bringing new ideas to the table because at, 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 uh, at the edge of it, they can fail. And if they fail, am I going to be supported uh, or is there going to be some sort of intervention that could actually impact my, my career or my job? So by creating a safe place, a culture around agility where people can come as they are, they're more likely to bring those new ideas. It will drive engagement and consequently the, 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 the notion of innovating as we go will become part of the way we do things. So, Philip, some fantastic insights today. And certainly I think there's good reminders for us about the need of both those elements of the culture and the framework and the models and the systems and the, the networks, if you like, uh, to be able to drive that innovation, I guess, across the organisation. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, James. I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, our discussion. Uh, and uh, thank you for asking me um, to be involved. Thank you, Philip. Yes. Thank you also to our listeners for joining us on Inside Healthy Teams today. Apricot works to build the health of leaders, teams, organisations and the broader community. If you enjoyed today's podcast and wish to check out our other episodes, please rate and subscribe or you can head to our website or social media and just search for Apricot Consulting.
Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.